Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 880. Just uh, just stick with it. Don't give up. Hustle and see your haters after you're hiring. And I've had it happen. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm a revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Daniel Verwers. Hey, Daniel, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Born ready. Born ready. I like that. I like that a lot. Daniel Verwers is the owner of Seduction Motorsports in Chandler, Arizona. He started building cars at the age of 15, but it wasn't until he was 27 that Daniel decided to turn his car hobby into his career. He enrolled in college when he was only 15 as an engineering and architecture major, and then halfway through changed to finance and business, and years later, he went back to his roots. And today, he designs and manufactures complete Porsche replicas of the iconic 550 Spider, 356 Speedster, and 356 Coupe, while adding his custom retro styling touches and modern sports car performance parts. Daniel gets to build people's dreams one car at a time. So, Daniel, I have told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your business and an obvious passion for automobiles? Yeah, just I grew up with a passion, always being at the races and stuff with my dad, and I uh, just found a car that not many companies out there were kind of putting a modern touch on. They were kind of going more for the original look and feel, and um, the car I always liked, but the performance wasn't good enough, and so it was just kind of, I found, I found an opportunity to just kind of take that and go with it. So, that's where Seduction Motorsports came about. Well, wow, it's very cool. I love the old Porsches. I had a Beck Spider for years and really enjoyed that car. Enjoyed that car, and I've always wanted to have a 356, but they've gotten so darn expensive. And of course, 550 Spiders are somewhere in the stratosphere price price wise. <laughs> but you're also building coupes too, which is kind of unique because most people are building D replicas, Speedsters, but you add the top too. Yeah, um, with the pre-A, we actually work with um, Vintage Motor Cars in California. They're a project they originally took on, and uh, Greg Leach over there does great work. And from there, we just kind of took it and retook our own twist on it. It was just something that the market hadn't really seen a pre-A bent window coupe. Everybody was doing, like you said, the A, Bs, and Cs. Um, I, I believe Beck now is doing a C coupe. And it's just something that, uh, I don't know, it's, I've always been something in Arizona, you can't really have air conditioning in a 550 Spider. So <laughs> yeah, it was... <laughs> Something that, I mean, I, like, I surprisingly get a lot of clients up in your area, too, in the Seattle area, and mm-hmm. it's just always raining. Yep. And again, Spider's not really the car for it. And the Speedster was kind of a flooded market. Everybody everybody does them. They can buy them for really cheap use. So the rest, as far as replicas. Um, and it's just kind of the coupe was just something I've always liked the shape of and design. So when Greg Leach mentioned he was going to start doing a coupe, I just I, I was like, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me see what you got here. It's just something that we... Uh, I've always wanted to do. I personally own a, I have a, I have one and I have a C coupe as well. And mm-hmm. like you said, they're just getting more and more expensive. I mean, just to, and harder to find parts that are quality. So right. as far as the replica end, we can manufacture almost every single part for them. And that way it's, uh, we, you know, there's no waiting game on trying to restore a part. Absolutely. Yeah. When I had my spider up here in the Northwest, yeah, six, seven months of the year, sometimes longer, I just couldn't drive it. And uh, I did get cut, caught yeah. in the rain one day, and it was miserable. It was terrible. So it was like people were throwing buckets of water in my face. And the faster I went, the worse it got. So 
Yeah, the water doesn't hit the faster you go. It's not true. The water doesn't dome over you. (laughs) Not in that car. No, it just basically wraps around the window and sprays you right in the face. So, well, this is very Mm -hmm. cool. We're going to learn a lot more about you and your business as we continue on this journey of your life. But first, I like to ask everybody I have on the show for a mantra or a quote, some kind of inspirational quote that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Daniel, take the wheel. I don't know. I've always liked the ones. Hustle until your haters ask if you're hiring. And that's just uh, <laughs> something with my company. It's in the replica world. You just get a lot of people that always just talk down to you when you're trying to do something. And I just kind of got to ignore it and just keep going with the flow. So. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure why that is, although I, I understand it when it comes to original cars. They're originals. And you hear people use terms like fakey dues and things like that. But you know what? What I found was if you can't afford one of the original cars and it's just way out of your reach and you know you'll never have one, why not get the experience with a replica? And I had the luxury of driving a real 58 Speedster and then back to back with a, it was an Intermechanica who uh, Henry Reisner, who's been a guest here on the show, builds those, drove those cars back to back. And I knew there wasn't going to be a comparison, but I was blown away how much better the replica was. And you take your cars to another level and we're going to get into that detail a little bit later, but it is a nice way to have the experience. And I know Deb Pollock, who was just on the show, just bought a Speedster replica car and she just took it on a tour that she put on driving for the cure and just loves it, loves it. And you can park it and walk away from it, not worry about leaving it in a parking lot or at a hotel parking Mm -hmm. lot overnight. So there's a lot of benefits to having these cars in your lives. Well, let's go back in time. You talked about going to the races with your dad. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realized that, you know what, I am a car guy? I think it was just always growing up. We were always at Seattle Pacific Raceways or SIR, whatever, Pacific Race, whatever it was called at the time. And uh, we'd go to the drag races, the historic races, road racing. He had a lot of friends growing up. My dad's friends raced either dragsters or autocross, and we had a neighbor that raced horses. So it was just kind of growing up around that all the time. I used to always grow out to all the car shows, like Good Guys, go out fairgrounds, and yeah. the bigger shows, like the Triple X root beer drive in there. And <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd always, I, I used to get paid to draw cars for people. I'd just draw them, and I was always kind of doing my own twist on them. You know, nothing like Chip Foose does, but <laughs> it was just still, still something I could design and do. And it just kind of, Grew up doing it, and then I think when I was sophomore in high school, we had I took an engineering class, and we did we were working with a new program called Rhinoceros 3D. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's like what they designed the Salina Seven on, mm-hmm. and so that was something that I kind of excelled at. That just kind of picked it up. I was just designing everything on there, and entered into a car competition to Diamond Chrysler, and it ended up being a I actually won it. Wow! <laughs> so I, congratulations. I couldn't qualify because I wasn't a senior team of five. It was just a single person myself. And so it, it's something just that I always liked cars. I was always looking in car magazines. And I think that's back in the era too when mini trucks were a thing. I never owned one, but you know, you're always just kind of designing things. You know, is this something that I always wanted to do? So yeah, absolutely. Um, growing up around that. I was into muscle cars. I mean, my dream car as a kid was a 57 Chevy or, you know, 57 Fastback Mustang. As I got older, I got into European cars. I was in the Audis for a long time. And then that kind of got me over to the Porsche world. So that's just, I guess, where it came from. So you grew up up here in the Pacific Northwest where I live. Mm-hmm. Yep. North Bend, Washington. <laughs> well, there you go. So you're used to the rain, but now you're in the desert where you enjoy the sunshine year round. So that's quite a switch from all these uh, huge trees to some cactus and a lot of rocks and dirt. But 
Yep. Definitely a difference uh, in lifestyle and so forth, and you can enjoy those open cars a lot better down there. Oh, yeah. Let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. I'd love for you to talk about a big challenge or even a big failure you faced. Uh, You have a a very challenging career path you've chosen here of building cars for people, marketing cars, selling cars, and fixing cars and working on cars. I'm sure you've run up against some challenges in your day, so take us through one of those. But more importantly, tell us how that helped you gain even more momentum and move forward in your business. Um, it's kind of one of those sayings where people say, if I knew now what, or, you know, know now what I knew yeah. should have known then or something. Oh, oh yeah. It's, uh, I would have stuck with just manufacturing like a, a, a specific part, mm. <laughs> not the entire vehicle. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm also, I'm also a type one diabetic and that's been a huge role as well. Just, uh, I, I'm go, go, go 16, 20 hours a day, just trying to keep up with the pace of uh-huh. All my clients' builds we have going on. Each time we have about 17 to 20 builds going. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Yeah. And then you got to keep taking on orders. And it's just one of those, I'm kind of a one man show, even though there's, we outsource a lot of stuff as far as parts, just because it's harder to find stuff. So I'm having to balance um, that with, and then just in the automotive industry, it's just a different kind of, I used to do real estate, property management stuff. And when you usually want something done, it's done right away. Right. Whereas, you need a you need something made with a, a vehicle. It's <laughs> it could be months for a five dollar part. So it's just balancing that because at the end of the day we still have to deliver an entire hundred percent complete vehicle. Um, so mixing that with you know my type one diabetes, it's just uh the stress levels. I had a stroke at the age of twenty nine, a little minor stroke. Oh my gosh, stress induced. Yeah, and so that was kind of a setback, and it's just uh. I'm just kind of more relaxed now. You know, at the end of the day, if something's not done at the end of the day, there's always tomorrow. And sometimes mm-hmm. you just have to have the customers wait, even though they're everybody wants it. They wanted it yesterday. They're just more. I think they're just more so so excited to get something that it kind of comes off as a stressful thing. You know, like, where's my car? How much longer? And you're like, hold on. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. 120 degrees in my paint booth right now. We can't paint it. Right. So, um, <laughs> it's one of those just, just certain things like that. And. uh it was actually kind of cool. We just did a, I, we built a 550 Spider that we auctioned off on bringing a trailer for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. I saw that, yeah. $60,000. Yeah. So it was, it was very exciting because it was just, uh, you know, it'd be nice if there was a cure for what we have, but at the same time, it's just, you got to live with it, deal with it every day. And some days it just makes you groggy, tired. You don't want to work, but you still got to put in 12 to 16 hours in right. my, my era. So. Yeah, learning lessons from this, there's a couple takeaways I have here. And one is learning how to manage stress. Now, you talked about, you know, building, restoring cars and building cars in your case. I've had many, many people on the show who are restorers, fabricators, builders. Uh, Mike Dunn, who restores vintage BMW, DKW, Zundop motorcycles, was on the show a few weeks ago. And he talked about that where it can take two or three years to do this work and trying to explain to a customer, you know what, it takes time. And he's someone of a one-man band a little bit. He's got some helpers, but like you, he's doing most of the work himself. So how do you, or what are some ways you could offer suggestions to somebody who finds themselves in this situation? We have lots of entrepreneurs these days who are just juggling lots of balls, doing it all themselves. I'd be one of those guys. And trying to find an mm-hmm. opportunity to de-stress yourself. What are a couple things you might suggest to people that might help them learn how to do that so that they don't put that massive burden on themselves every day and end up, God forbid, with a stroke like you did? Yeah, you know, I'm still trying to find that answer, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. I guess, uh, uh, I honestly, like, you just gotta get out. You gotta, you just gotta call it quits on some days. You know, it's just, uh, stuff's not going right around 7 p.m. Just walk away. It's always tomorrow. And 
good friend of mine who's also our upholstery guy, unique upholstery, Scott Obinger, we he's got a we go boating a lot. Mm-hmm. He's got a few boats. And I think that's the most relaxing thing. It's just it's something that is not in my in the automotive world, I guess. Yeah. You know, stepping out of I, I grew up like my hobby used to be cars. That became a career. Now I would say it's still a hobby, but not as not what I want to do when I'm not at the office. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I understand. Yeah. The last yeah, the last thing is talk cars. You know, you're like, I, I talk cars 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, you just kind of want to just relax. And uh, I'm not really a TV guy or anything. So it's just we go out to the lake, go boating. Even if it's just sitting on a boat or, you know, have a beer or something, it's just kind of got to just get out of the get out of the office. And that's, like, I think, the biggest thing I'm trying to work on. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a great suggestion uh, because sometimes we do. We get so caught up in this world that we're in. I think it's good to get out and get away. I try to get out for a walk every day. Take my neighbor's uh, dog for a walk and just is, mm-hmm. get get out in the fresh air, get your mind. It also helps you work through challenges that you're having that you don't even know because your brain's still working on it, kind of in the background there. It's still chewing on how you're going to yep. get through that thing. And lots of times that little break, whether it's yard work or a run or a bike or sit, yeah, boats are great to go out in the water. It's so relaxing. So great ideas there for people that run into these challenges. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's one of those times when you kind of go, ah, yeah, that's the way I need to go. It sounds like you've had a few of those in your life. Yeah. I think the biggest aha moment I had was just, after, it took about 10 months for the first 550 after development and stuff to get going. And uh, it got put right, right into a kick car magazine. And then we started to get like a lot of attention. Um, but the clients that we were starting to get kind of, I mean, we had manager of Facebook, we had, and I had CEO of Intel recently. And it's just, when you get these clients, they could pretty much buy any car they want, you know? So mm-hmm. when they come to you and it's kind of like, it's kind of a, you know, I listened to the, the Chuck Beck podcast you did where he just kind of says, it's kind of an ego boost. <laughs> it really is. Sure. Kind of, they get anything they want and this is what they want. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not like our cars are super expensive. They just, this is what they want. And, uh, I think after we finished the first one, like I said, 10 months, I took it to a uh, Scottsdale cars and coffee. And um, I pulled in, and there was a, a yellow Ferrari Endo parked right on the corner, mm-hmm. and a huge crowd around it, just a huge crowd. And I'm, I'm a car guy, so I'm like, you know, breaking my neck looking at the Ferrari Endo they drive by, and they're all staring at the 550 Spider. <laughs> yeah. So before I could even park the thing in the opposite corner, that group of people already migrated over there and was standing around taking photos of it parked and getting out. Before I even got my seatbelt, I asked about 30 questions, and I and I hear I get out and I just kind of beeline over to look at the Enzo because I had never seen one in person yet. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It was uh-huh. uh, it was it was kind of an aha moment because I came back and people left and right were, well, how'd you build it? Where'd it come from? What? <laughs> how much does it cost? What what powers it? And that right there was just kind of it was a I guess it was a proud moment slash aha moment. It was just kind of one of those like hmm, you know, I think I got something going here, and uh, you know, you can walk down a row of. 20, 30 AC Cobra replicas, and they're just kind of, they stick, you know, there's a whole bunch of them. So that's one reason why I went with the Porsche replicas, and it was just uh, that being the only one there. A lot of people just never see them in person. So it was just kind of a, that was kind of a big aha moment for me. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no enough. doubt. I, I used to, whenever I'd go get gas in my Beck, it was always a long experience because people would come over and they'd want to talk to you about it. It's always the proverbial James Dean's car, James Dean's car. And, uh, it's a guy's magnet. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like the old VW Beetle or, you know, people love those little cars and a lot of younger people have never even seen one. So they want to know about it. And again, car guys, car gals want to know what powers it and all that fun stuff. Well, you may have answered this next question and that's a proudest 
career moment. You've, I'm sure you're very proud of all the people you've made happy for the builds you've done, but is there one you could share with us that really stands out? Yeah, I mean, all over with our, our type of clientele, we get guys who we get guys who aren't car guys that just want one to want one. You get the guys who've always wanted one. You get the guys who maybe had an original or went to the races and saw an original type of race or something. I would say my, my most proudest moment of favorite was I delivered a car to actually a local guy here in Mesa, Arizona, and he um he's a pharmaceutical rep. You know, he he's not a millionaire. He, you know, this is a car he saved up for a long, long time and, and uh this is before I had my big shop. I actually built it out of my garage, so it was kind of awkward when he showed up to give me a check, mm-hmm. and I'm in my garage building this. And so, <laughs> but uh, when I delivered the car to his house, he kind of teared up a little bit, and it was flat out told me, besides his family and friends, this is the most you know precious thing he ever had. And to me, I was just kind of like, hmm, you know, like to me, it's just a car because I build them all day long. But yeah. it was just us putting our final finishing touches on everything and making sure our fit and finish is always perfect and. I mean, the last thing, I don't want the car to break down ever or anything like that. So I, mean, I spent a lot of time dialing it in. Mm-hmm. So when I actually, he told me that, it just kind of was like, you know, it kind of made me just very proud that yeah. this guy was so excited that, you know, he's kind of tearing up a little bit about it. And it was just kind of a very proud moment. Well, you, you're fulfilling dreams for people in so many respects, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it really special. It's the people around these cars that make this car hobby so special. And for sure, especially somebody that works very hard to save up for something like that, that it's not just a, oh, I'll just write a check, no big deal. Yeah, they appre- they appreciate it a little bit more. And that was, I think, what was kind of like, you know, still this day, I've built probably 25, 30 more after that one. And I think that was still my favorite. experience as far as delivery very nice i like it very cool well let's have a little bit of fun and go back into your time frame here and talk about your first really special car is there one that really stands out for you yeah it's kind of funny it's a it's a it was just a 2003 wrx (laughs) Uh yeah but they're cool that was when they brought the bug-eyed you know rally cars to the u.s back in 2002 and Mm -hmm. i was 17 at the time and i'd been (laughs) working you know, so I was doing college at age 15. I could work a full-time job at the same time. So I was saving a little bit more money than most of my friends. And that was something I really, really, really always wanted was just that rally, the Subaru rally car. Yeah. And so uh, they finally came one. They got, like a customer traded it in. And I think it was there in Bellevue, Washington. And it only had about 40 miles on it. And he wow. got it, decided he wanted something different. I lucked out because it's technically used. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I got the car, a good deal, and uh, I didn't even want to test I just knew I wanted it. Didn't even want to test drive the car. But waiting for the finance department, you know, I was, once I was a minor, I had to have my mom come co-sign for me. So they call her up. She gets there. The guy goes, do you want to drive the car first? <laughs> I just knew I already wanted it. So no need. while we were waiting for finance, we, yeah, I was like, oh, good call. We should probably do that. Yeah, so maybe. My mom and I ended up taking it up the hill there to uh Bellevue Community College, they have the annual Ford Mustang show that goes on every year. There. Oh, yeah, I've been to that. Yep. I was like, the Ford Mustang show is going on. Let's just go up there. We got a few hours to kill. And this was kind of, this is funny because this was like my dream car of the time, but not really my dream car. It was just something that was an affordable dream car, I guess you'd say. And so we pull up to the, up the hill. We stop at a stoplight. And my mom goes, what's that car next to us? And I turn around and look to my right. It is a red Saline S7, which is like my real dream car. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of funny because, like, my dream was crushed. Like, here I am. I was like, I, if my day was just, I'm in my favorite car. What is that? <laughs> well, there's always that guy that has more than you have, right? I mean, no matter it what. It was the whole time. I just <laughs> stared at it. I'm like, 
you never see these on the road. Like, what are the odds that this car's out here now? So yeah. It was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's fun. Those are great little cars. And I've been to that Mustang show many times. In fact, I had a 66 Fastback that I took to that show one time, even won a trophy with it. So, yeah, it was fun. They used to have that in the same time they would have the All-British Field Meet. So you could kind of walk through the parking mm-hmm. lots and go look at the British cars, come back, look at the Mustangs. So it's always a fun annual event up here in the Pacific Northwest. How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle? And I know, I know you've built lots of cars. You've sold lots of cars. So you've sold tons of cars. But is there a car that you own that you sold that you really wish you had back? Um, there's a few. There's one that I'm, I'm selling. I'm going to sell probably the next month that I know I'm going to, I'm going to miss. That's probably, probably the answer to that question. It's a 64 Porsche 356 C Coupe. It's my first real, real Porsche, but mm-hmm. it's just, uh, like we were talking about, I just don't, you know, how projects are and you just, they sit there and sit there and I have so many cars going on for customers that I haven't really had time to touch my own cars, mm-hmm. work on them. And I know I, I got this for kind of, it's kind of my barn fine car, you know, and it's perfect shape. And it's one of those cars that I just want to sell it just to finish. I have a few other projects we're working on. I got to, we're doing our pre-A coupes. And so I'm going to build one of those for the, the career Pan American race next year. Oh, yeah. And then, so that's something I've been wanting to do. And then I got a 95, 911. Then we're going to do a, a GT2 clone kind of project car on. So I figure the price, since the price of these, these real Porsche 356 are going up, it, it should pretty much fund my other two projects and clear up some space in the shop. And I don't know. I, I'm going to probably miss it just knowing that the, the deal I got on it's never going to ever surface again. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, um, they rarely do. But, you know, the great thing is you're flipping the, that cash into other projects that you're going to have fun with. Yeah. So that's cool, too. Yep. I'm not really, I'm not, the, you know, in the Porsche, I'm not really a purist. So for me to cut up the 64 and put a roll cage and everything in it, I just don't find value in that. I know that somebody else, it's numbers matching car. I know someone else is going to enjoy it, restore it back to the original and, oh, yeah. and enjoy it. I think that's where that car needs to be versus, you know, I could take one of my replicas and do whatever I want to it and it's going to be something I enjoy. I'm not going to feel bad about <laughs> doing so. I understand. Yeah. Well, the Carrera, La Carrera Panamericana, I just had John Benton on the show. He restores old 356s, 912s, 911s mm-hmm. and Renee Brinkerhoff. They're both down there racing right now as we speak, actually. They just arrived yesterday, yeah. day before. So wish you the best success. Now, I know I'm going to get a lot of emails for the comment you made. You're selling an old Porsche 356. So just so those listeners out there don't barrage me with emails, where are you going to be selling the car? so they can go look for it. Should they just contact you? They should just contact me. Okay. Daniel at SeductionMotorsports.com. Yeah, there you go. Well, I'll remind our listeners that Daniel will have a show notes page here on the Car Show website, so I'll put a link to the him <laughs> there. So please, contact Daniel. I'm not selling the car. I might talk to you after the show about <laughs> buying the car, but uh, at, any res- <laughs> at any respect, uh, contact Daniel about finding that great car because uh, – he needs to uh, to build some cool stuff. Well, let's talk about your business. I would love for you to share a little bit more about all the things that you create for people, the different cars, how the process works, uh, the kinds of cars that you build. So here's your chance to kind of pitch your business here and, and tell people why they should contact you to have you build them a special car. Well, we kind of just do it different. A lot of the other builders out there just kind of stick to the basics of you know, pick your pick out two, three colors, pick your interior, and uh Cheap, cheaper built engine package, I guess they would say. We put a lot of pride into our, our parts that we select for these vehicles just because, you know, I grew up racing. I, I know what works and doesn't work. A lot of these replicas you get into, they're built with, you know, old Volkswagen parts or just parts people find or donor cars. We use everything 100% brand new. And the reason why is just I want 
my customers to hop in the car, go to the cars and coffee on the weekends, go to car shows, and not have to worry about the car not starting or breaking down on the side of the road. And that's my biggest my biggest concern is I've said it before and I say it's just, I just don't want I don't want you to have to call me on the weekend <laughs> and ask what's going on with your car. Why won't my car start? <laughs> yeah, why? And I'm like, I don't know. You're in Florida, and I'm in Arizona. <laughs> Is there gas in the car? That might be a good starting yeah, point. You'd be surprised how many phone calls I get where, well, the gas gauge says I have just a little. I'm like, look in the gas. It's in. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the old floater-style thing. And uh-huh. We're actually switched over to the new digital fuel senders just because of that that reason. So, um I'm always the type of guy, and it's probably a downfall to you, is that I'm always trying to improve things. When I know from the new product, like we got SEMA coming up at the end of the month, and it's just I'm always looking at new products to see what we can improve yeah. as far as reliability and performance and just, just overall, like even cleaning things up like our wire harnesses. I don't like to see wires anywhere, colors, mm-hmm. you know, just stuff like that. Yeah. So it's it's things I know that I'd probably make more money and get cars done quicker if I wasn't, if I just stuck to the basics and just, made a hundred wire harnesses and popped them in, but I'm always trying to improve things just so, uh, you know, I don't have to fix things or customers can simply swap something out. Um, so well, what are the different models that you build? We do the 550 spider. We do a, a 550A kind of a Rensport edition, um, with, you know, louvers and, and they're not really functional carb doors, but the, the louvers are functional. And, mm-hmm. um, we, we kind of do different and on there. There's tons of different options, different windshield packages, windscreen. We've got different oil cooler grills in the front. We're doing the 1953 bent window, the pre-A. Um, that's been a challenge in itself, just getting the glass correct. Those cars were all handmade over wood bucks. So when you buy a replacement windshield from, from Stoddard or, here in Nevada, sometimes they just don't fit properly because each car was different. So we finally had to go through the whole manufacturing process and, and, uh, actually Greg Leach at Vintage Motorsports in California did that whole project and that took about, about two years just to get the glass. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. just, so yeah, just to get it right. So it's not cracking on people because 800 bucks a pop for a windshield gets, it adds up. Right. So, it, and then we got this, we're, we're, we're doing the Speedster, the 356 Speedster. Since that car's been kind of just a flooded market, I, I like to call it, it's just a, you know, you've got companies like Vintage Speedsters out of Hawaiian Groves, California. Beck's, Beck's been doing Speedsters for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry Intermechanica makes super nice, you know, 356 Speedster. And so what we're trying to do is with that is, I'm not going to really be doing the turnkey speedsters as much as um, more so kits. The nice thing about our kits is that everything comes pre-hung. And in the kit car world, people like to just look at what's the cheapest, what's the cheapest way to get this Cobra or this speedster or this Daytona coupe. And it doesn't really come down to it being cheap because sometimes you spend more money getting the fitment done than the, just buying the kit would have been if you spent more money at the beginning. So with our kits, they all come with sub chassis. So you can bolt it right to a, um, you know, a shortened Volkswagen pan or a different chassis. And that's where this year we're going to be 2018. I'm actually working on a aluminum mono cockpit chassis for the speedsters and coupes. Cool. Just because Volkswagen, Volkswagen pans are just, they've always been kind of flimsy and they're not really desired. You know, they're, mm-hmm. you got to cut them, shorten them, swap out floor pans. It's, a, it's not a hard process. It's just a tedious, messy process. Right. And a lot of these guys who build these, they don't want to spend their weekend, you know, cutting rust and having, you know, a lot of, I guess automotive fabrication is kind of a dying skill set. Not many people weld in their garage anymore. So with the new aluminum monocoque uh, chassis, they'll come in different stages where they're just uh, aircraft rivet, rivet them together, kind of like the new, like the Lotuses, the, I mean, even the Lamborghini Ventor is kind of carbon fiber aluminum monocoque chassis. And uh, 
we're going to incorporate 993-911 Porsche suspension on it. So you can use all brand new suspension components, which is all lightweight aluminum anyways. The whole idea of it is that you can actually paint your body of your speedster or your coupe on the sub-chassis. The doors are pre-hung. They come that way. The gaps, the fit and finish is perfect. They come pre-primer. You just one more block sand. They're ready for paint. So the, the whole concept is that you can put your engine in, make a, make a go-kart, we like to call it, on the Luda model cockpit chassis, and then uh, drop the drop the body on at the end and then just, you know, put your interior in. So it's going to kind of speed things up as far as them being built, but no one on the market right now even has a, I guess, an aftermarket frame, I'd like to call it, for the, the speedsters. They're just all short and Volkswagen pans or some companies I've seen come and go, try to do a tube chassis for them. They just don't look correct. I mean, I'm not really a period correct person, but a lot of these clients are. So at the same time, I'm designing it more for, I mean, function over form, I guess you say. So I want yeah. it to be a performing car with all modern coilovers, you know, race suspension. Mm-hmm. A lot of these companies coming out with electronic, you know, they automatically adjust suspension. And we're going to incorporate that ours on the Pan American race car if the rule book lets us. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and that's what we're going for. Just something to make it where, I want stuff, a lot of guys, I get all the time, I get guys email me, hey, we want to do a husband and son or husband and wife project. You know, my son wants to do a project with me. I just want something to tinker on the garage. But a lot of these kit cars you see, they pop up on eBay a few years later and just no one knows how to do them. No one knows how to finish them. You know, and, and I don't know if you've ever, I mean, you look at the old 550 spiders even. those. The, when, I, when I first got into the 550 market, I emailed all the companies and I'd ask for, you know, instruction manual. And you get something that's kind of a chicken scratch drawing and it says, cut a piece of wood, stick it here. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. Like, what? That's not safe. You know, so it's just, uh, we're, we're going for something that's super safe and super, um, reliable. And also someone could just build it in their garage with minimal experience. And, um, you know, kind of similar to what Dave Smith's done with Factory 5. They make a great product as far as a, you know, a do-it-yourself kit, you know, there's enough. We put an online forum up on our website on theductionmotorsports.com. The top corner there's a forum, and it's going to have build logs, build pictures. So trying to get away so much from the turnkey just because they're just, they take so long to do, Where, but a lot of guys just want to do it themselves to a certain point. I think we sell more roller packages than anything. So, you know, they might get a full painted, upholstered car, and they just put the engine in transit just because they just, a lot of guys just want to say they built it and want to do something themselves, you know? So, and that's fine. We can build the whole car. They can take the credit. I really don't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, but it's just one of those, if they, if they enjoy it at the end of the day, it's something that they want, then that's, you know, we'll help them get to their dreams. So there you go. Very cool. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Daniel. If Daniel was a car, what would he be and why? <laughs> that's a tough question. Uh, probably, uh, probably a question 917. I don't know. I'm I'm always go go go, and those things, you know, 24 hour Le Mans races. <laughs> yeah. Done it a few times. <laughs> they go go go. So, yeah. <laughs> they go go go, and that's probably, you know, it's just one of those. I don't know. That's the car I probably label myself as if I had to be a car. <laughs> Very nice car indeed. Well, Daniel, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? is with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers 
for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Daniel, we are back, and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Probably just, you know, don't give up as far as with projects. Projects can just sit there and sit there and sit there. So just plan it out and get everything, execute the plan before you start it. Um, and always, always budget way more than you budgeted for something. Yeah, so always. That's probably the best. Out of, always budget something. The plan, work the plan. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. If someone says 10,000 plans, 12 to 15, just back up. <laughs> or probably 20. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your successes over the years? Um, habits, um, I'm kind of OCD a little bit. You know, I'm always, I'm a clean freak. Actually, it's, I believe Grios Garage, you used to have a, something with them, correct? I was the president of the company. I worked there for 22 years. That's exactly, okay. I knew you were up there. Yep. And so, uh, I used to, I used to do car detailing up in Washington on the side, and that was my biggest, you know, I loved going there. And I'm just OCD on when we build these cars, like even when I drill a hole in the fiberglass, I got to sit there and vacuum and yep. clean down everything, even though I know I'm going to drill 50 more holes. I understand. But I think that that's, uh, I think it's, it's, it's led to what people see when they look at our product is everything's really clean and fit and finish is oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just all the little stuff adds up, you know, I think. And that's, so it's probably helped me out. It probably it, it adds definitely a lot of time to build times because I know I do. I tape off things that I don't even need to be taped off just so in case of an accident, you might scratch them. But I know that never going to happen in right. certain areas. But I'm always just overprotective about that. <laughs> I understand. I share that affliction with you as well. Would you share one of your resources that you think our listeners would really enjoy? Probably on just Facebook. Our, um, we have a, there's a Porsche 550 Spider Replica Club. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of... Uh, in the in the Porsche replica world, the, the forums that are out there kind of are kind of dead. They just a lot of older guys don't really post very often. But I'd say this one's pretty active. Um, there's always tons of pictures and videos posted daily on there. Cool. And that's just if you just search Facebook, it's just Porsche 550 Spider Replica Club. And it's actually there's a few on there that some people have tried to copy, but I think that the one of the most followers is about three to five thousand followers at a time usually on there. So it's pretty it's pretty active. Cool. Now, if you could have a drink 
with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Probably Steve McQueen. That'd be fun. Kind of seems like an all-around. Yeah, I think so. And uh, he just seems kind of like all-around badass, so it's <laughs> kind of fun <laughs> to do that with. Well, definitely interesting history. I had his son, Chad, as a guest here on the show. And, of course, a documentary they made last year about Steve McQueen was uh, revealing as well. But, uh, yeah, that'd be an interesting talk for sure. Definitely a car guy. That's for sure. Now, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? Yeah, there's one. It's um, from Grant Cardone. It's called Be Obsessed or Be Average. It's just talking about when you build a business, just your passion and obsess about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to feed the beast and, and then starve the doubt kind of situation. So I'd say that's a good book. I suggest that one. Great recommendation. I'll remind our listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Daniel shared on his show notes page on the Cars yeah website. I have a page I built just for Daniel. You can go there and find quick clicks and links to all the things he shared, including this cool book. There's another great place on the Cars Yow website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and all the inspiring automotive enthusiasts I've had on the show's books listed there, and I made it really easy. You just click, goes right to Amazon, you can buy it. So check it out. There are over a thousand great reference books there for you to enjoy. All right, Daniel, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world, but it can be the only one you can own. So that's what makes this a little bit of a challenge. But money's no object because I'm writing the check. So what would that car be <laughs> and why? It's going to be a big check. It'd probably be a 62 <laughs> Ferrari GTO 250. So I, I've always thought those cars are absolutely just gorgeous and just they come with that price tag. <laughs> uh, you know, I've said this before because I think now I've had, you know, while you're my 880th guest here on Cars, yeah, but I've had so many people want those that I think they only made 30, early 32 or 33 total of those cars, something like that. But I've probably bought that many now. So now I've got to buy those cars back from the people I already bought them from so I can get you one. <laughs> You've already, you own them all. You yeah. Well, not me. I, I give them all away. That's the kind of guy I am. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely the one of those cars. I know that's one of my son's favorite cars. When I took him to the uh, Monterey Historic Races the year that Ferrari was the, the mark, and they had 22, 23 of those racing at one time on the track together, that's when that bug got bit for him. Well, let me narrow this down a little bit so I get you the right one. What color would you like? You know, that's a tough question. I'm a, I'm a boring color person, like white or silver. I, on a Ferrari, it'd probably have to be the red. It'd probably be Ferrari red. It's just... uh and which is weird because I'm not a fan of rev cars at all, yeah. but it would have to probably be in that color. <laughs> Ro- Rosso red. Well, that's, that'll make it a little bit mm. easier because so many of them are red. I know right now that the uh, annual gathering of the GTO owners, they're over in Italy. We have, uh, I have two friends up here in the Northwest that have GTOs and they f- ship them over there and they're all driving around Italy right now. And I've been following them on Facebook, but one of them owns, I think it's the only white GTO that I've seen. Um, it's a, it's a pretty, oh, wow. I've never seen a white one. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't think that it would look very good, but it actually looks really awesome. It's a marvelous wow. car, but uh, Rosso Red. Well, I'll get to work on that. That shouldn't be any problem. So uh, just uh, send me your address, and I'll drive it down <laughs> there to Chandler, and we can. <laughs> I'll even settle for the the, the anti Ferrari. I even like the Dino as well. Everybody laughs at me when I say that. Yeah, <laughs> nah, Dinos are awesome. Love the Dino. I love the Dino. Well, Danny, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories and learning more about you and your business. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the desert sunset in that 62 GTO? Just uh, just stick with it. Don't give up. You know, like I said earlier, hustle until your haters after you're hiring. And that's how it <laughs> happens. <laughs> so it's just, uh, 
just, you know, sometimes the reward doesn't come right away. And but at the end of the day, if you put enough passion and dedication into something you enjoy, yeah, uh, it will it'll reward itself. And so there you go. Hustle until your haters ask if you are hiring. That is a great one. <laughs> I love that. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? We have our website. It's seductionmotorsports.com. Or cool. you can look us up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash seduction motorsports. And then Instagram, we are just seduction 550. So seduction 550. There you go. Well, listeners, again, I will post everything and all the links to Daniel's sites on his show notes page on the Cars yeah website. Just go to carsyeah.com, type in Daniel Verwers. His last name is a unique. It's spelled V-E-R-W-E-R-S. And his page will pop up and you can find links. Check out what this guy's up to. I think you'll really enjoy it. Follow along with his builds and all the places he goes and his cars. I think you're going to have a lot of fun. Daniel, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your automotive experiences with the Cars Yow listeners and with me. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage. It's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.